A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, because he remains with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. So we're kind of winding up to Pentecost. We see this in the readings that we have, and particularly in this reading that that we have of the Gospel, where Jesus is beginning to promise the Holy Spirit and to instruct us as to what the Holy Spirit is going to do for us, with us, in us. And in this promise, Jesus says that the advocate will come. This translation, advocate, the the Greek word there is, is parakletos, or sometimes some translators just to keep from having to try to translate it, just say paraclete in there. But it's not a bird. A paraclete is, is the counselor, according to the Revised Standard Version. In some versions, the one who walks alongside, a friend, companion. All of this is wrapped up in this, this word because it actually is a legal term. It's a legal term the the one who is your counselor, who is your guide in a court. So it's not necessarily, like this says advocate, the one who argues your case in the court, although it can be, but it's the one who gives you counsel, gives you legal counsel, instructs you in, in the terms of the laws, how to apply the law to your life and to your business and to your family. Your counselor, your guide, the one who walks alongside you as your guide, as your instructor. You see, the, the prophets foretold that the time would come when God would write the law, his law, in people's hearts, in our hearts. See, Moses, when he came, he gave the law. And he wrote them first on tablets of stone, and then more and more laws began to be added to the law, the Mosaic law, and, and it continued to grow and expand so that these laws were written down. Remember in the, the Yule Brenner version of the Ten Commandments? Yule Brenner was the Pharaoh, and ever he wanted to pass a law, which was at his whim, he would always say, so let it be written, so let it be done. Right? Do you remember that? So these laws were all written down for people to, to try to follow. But of course, you know how lawyers are. Once you write it down, they're going to argue about it, they're going to discuss it, they're going to to have all kinds of opinions about these laws. And, and it can become confusing, can't it? Sometimes the law can become confusing. But Jesus, when he came, wrote nothing down. He didn't leave us a written law to follow. Instead, 
he left behind the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to lead us to know how to follow the commands of Jesus. And the commands of Jesus are so simple, to love God and to love your neighbor. And maybe sometimes we find that, you know, we know what love is, but sometimes we don't necessarily know how to love. Or sometimes our own love of self, our own selfishness gets in the way and, and we become confused. And that's why we need the spirit of truth to lead us and to guide us, to shape us, to form the spirit of Christ within us. You know, a lot of times we realize that there's, there's conflict within us. And we sometimes confuse that conflict. We think it's a conflict of good versus evil. But really, it's a conflict of truth versus falsehood. Because Jesus gave to us the spirit of truth, but there's another spirit out there, isn't it? There's the spirit of the accuser. A lot of times we call that spirit of the accuser Satan, but Satan is just a Hebrew word that means the accuser. The spirit of the accuser. And the spirit of the accuser says things to us like, Oh, you're not good enough to go to church. You're a mess. Don't go to church. Church people are too good for you. Stay home. Stay away. You don't, you're not good enough to go to church. Or sometimes the spirit of the accuser says to us, Oh, don't even bother praying. God doesn't care about you. Your problems, they're so insignificant to God. Don't even bother. The spirit of the accuser is always trying to draw us away from the relationship with God that God desires for us. And what is that relationship? Jesus compares our relationship to God as being like the bridegroom who longs for and desires and has an intense love and affection for his bride. So that the bridegroom and the bride, when they come together, the two become one flesh, that they come together in unity to become one. There's this intense desire of love that God has for us to become one with us. So there's no such thing as something that's unimportant to God. He cares for everything about us. He cares for our needs. He cares. He wants to pour himself into us in the joy of his love and to shape us into his love in the world. That's why Jesus gives us the commandments to love God and to love our neighbor because in the exercise of that love comes the unity of us with God even as Jesus is one with God. Now, Jesus begins this theme which is going to be picked up later on in the, in the Gospel of John. It's going to be picked up later on in the epistles of John as well. And this theme of unity Jesus says, I and my Father are one. I am in my Father, and you, if you follow my commands, are in me. And there's a unity with us and Christ and God the Father. In fact, that theme is so strong, so profound, that it, run, it goes, extends into the church fathers. The early church fathers had, as a saying, that would say, repeated again and again, and that is this, God became man so that man could become God. 
And we hear things, something like that, and we immediately say, well, that can't be true. I am so far from being God. There's nothing even close to being like God in me, right? But it's not a case of us being good enough or strong enough or correct enough to think that in any way we can be like God. But it is because of God's immense love and grace that washes and that cleanses and that purifies that Jesus, the Word, becomes flesh so that we who are flesh in receiving His Word and listening to the words of Christ and following the words of Christ and as he says in this, in this Gospel living by His commands we are elevated into union with God the fathers even say we become God. But here's the problem with sayings like that. And I've mentioned this many times before, I know, that when we try to explain the deep things of God in human language, we always fail because we do not have the language to describe the deep things of God. So, since I cannot make any sense of this in my words, then we're going to play with fire. Now, unfortunately, I can't have children's sermons right now because we're not allowed to sit on the floor together, but this is kind of like a children's homily, isn't it? Because I get to play with fire, and this is always fun. Oh, I guess I need to say, don't try this at home, right? So here I've got three candles, three flames. And let's remember the words of Jesus. He says, I am in my Father, and you are in me. So let's look at this. Let's let this flame grow a little bit and get this wax going. When Christ, who lives in complete submission to his Father, who only does what his Father instructs him to do, who only does, as he said, I only do what I see my Father doing, and he joins his flame to the Father. And now it suddenly gets bigger, doesn't it? gets bigger and brighter as the two flames join together into one. But Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world, also said, you are the light of the world. So we can, through in our submission to Christ and to his words, we can join our flame together. So the three flames becoming together into one become one big flame. Do you see how it gets bigger every time we add a new flame? But here's the, big, here's the question. Where does one flame end and the other flame begin? When we join together in obedience by submission to Christ and his commands, we all join, are one in him and one with the Father, God the Father. Yeah, I know. Oh, there we go. Christ, in his infinite love for us, doesn't just tell us the way to God. He is the way to God. He just does not tell us the truth. He gives to us the spirit of truth. He not only is the light, but he imparts his light in us 
because the world cannot receive God because it cannot see him or know him, but by unifying his people to himself. The glory of God is displayed in the world through those who have been made one with God in Christ. This world desperately needs to see Jesus. And they see Jesus when we live in complete submission to his commands. When we give our submission to God, he gives us his glory. And the brightness of God shines in the earth.